on this episode of Three Bro Sports Podcast, a podcast of three college students who could just talk about sports forever. There's a lot of things going on in the sports world, as usual, even when there is no live sports for over two months now. The NFL schedule just came out last night. We got a special guest. We got Dave Carey, a former writer from the Baltimore Examiner and CBSSports.com. He's coming on to talk about his favorite matchups and also the Earl Thomas situation. I, we got to go over that as crazy as it sounds. It, it's breaking news. And right now we'll take whatever we can get. The MLB is in talks of opening up. Trevor Plouffe, a former third baseman, is now coming out saying that there's going to be a second spring training and the season's going to start on July 1st. You got to wait to hear our takes about that. And also in the NBA world, the Golden State Warriors are trying to rebuild a dynasty right now. I don't like it as they're talking about making a huge pitch for Giannis Adetokounmpo for 2021 for his free agency. I don't like it, but the show goes on. And also, LaMelo Ball going to Canada? There's a lot to talk about here, folks. But first. Hi, this is Grant Napier, the television voice of the Sacramento Kings, and you're listening to Three Pro Sports. But first, shut up and sit down. And welcome back to another Three Bro Sports podcast, the podcast of three college students who could just talk about sports forever. I already said it once, and you're going to hear it again. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Ibrahim Moises. Huh? <laughs> Key, it, Key and Peel, you know, when they do the sketch with all the football players and their crazy names. Oh, my God. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the names are just getting more random as we speak. I mean, like at the beginning of the podcast when we first started, it was like John or Abraham. Now now it's Ibrahim Moises. And, yeah, you know, you I only chose that one because I couldn't pull off the jackhammer noise that they use for one of them. <laughs> okay, okay. But we have an action-packed podcast for you guys today. It's, it sounds weird to keep on saying that, but in the sports world, even if there is no live sports for months, they're still going to find something. I mean, ESPN just purchased – um, the viewing rights to the KBO, the Korean baseball organization. And they're now playing a ton of games like at 3 a.m. in the morning Eastern time. And it's pretty entertaining to see it going down on Twitter. I haven't been able to stay up that late personally as I have work in the morning almost every single day, which it's a pain, but you got to do it another day, another dollar. Uh, Fred Warner. Uh, I th- yeah, I think that was the guy who said it. But regardless, there's a lot of breaking news going around in the sports world. Starting it off for the NBA. Now, this one this one bugs me a lot, like I said in the intro. There's been reports that Giannis Adetokounmpo, he's upset. He will be upset if the Bucks are not able sorry, to. what was that last name? Adetokounmpo. <laughs> this just sounded like there was a lot more syllables in there <laughs> the first time you said it. <laughs> hey, hey, knock it off. <laughs> but Giannis, there's a lot of talks of if he loses faith in the Bucks being able to win a championship he gone and as much as I, I could say you know what fine LeBron did that in Cleveland when they tried to get him Shaq at the end uh Ilgalskis, he never panned out to be a great second player uh Anderson Verjao, uh Jamario Moon uh, J- there, there's so many different names out there that just never panned out to work with LeBron as he kept carrying so I can understand why Giannis would say you know what I don't want to waste my prime I need to go to the right situation the Golden State Warriors are now the team saying, you know what? We got a spot for you, buddy. Come over to Golden State. We'll pair you up with Curry and Clay. I got one simple answer for this. No! It is not happening on my watch. I will do anything 
I will go to the Hamptons and cry to KD like the Warriors did, or I'll cry to Giannis like the Warriors did to KD to make sure he does not go to Golden State. I am not here to watch another dynasty come around. The biggest thing of why I've loved this se- the NBA season for 2019-2020 so much, there isn't a dynasty. There is not one specific team that you're looking at saying, oh, they already won. Next. You can make the argument, oh, well, the Lakers have the bigger edge, but you also have the Clippers. You also have the Celtics. You have the Bucks right now. There are a lot of teams that easily you can make an argument for for winning it all. I could make an argument for Denver. Denver, Utah, I maybe not Utah after uh, their incidents, but there was a lot of teams that you could make an argument for. I just don't want to see another three-headed monster come back around again. It, it just bugs me personally. I don't know. Am, am, am I crazy? What are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I, I wouldn't say you're crazy. Honestly, this is kind of the same situation we had with Kevin Durant back a few years ago where all of a sudden you have this insane player winning MVPs, and now he goes to the best team in the league. Because the only problem, though, is that I think this could be even more overpowered because Kevin Durant was very similar to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, everything just bigger and could play a little bit better defense. Giannis, while he can't shoot as well, he can destroy anyone on defense. So now you throw that into Golden State, that's just horrifying to see. Yeah, but I'm really curious to see if Golden State wants to make their pitch now and try to trade for him. Because, I mean, the Andrew Wiggins deal seems so much more obvious now. Of He could be just a, a big trade piece to Milwaukee. You could use him. Uh, Jordan Poole, who's been a surprising player. Uh, Damian Lee. There's a lot of guys on that roster I have surprised players. I personally thought if you really want to make a pitch towards uh, uh, Giannis, why did you move Willie Cauley-Stein? Now, I don't like him as I think he's basically as tough as a uh, toilet paper, but he at least is a talent that you could have moved at a cheap deal. You could have been able to make it work a little better. It seems a little weird, especially I don't think the Warriors have the cap space, especially with everything going on with the uh, the suspension of the season, the China incident going on. It doesn't seem as if the Warriors have this money. Brett, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think... Uh, some pieces would definitely have to be moved around. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, did not hold on to Andrew Wiggins. I don't really see any team logically wanting to pay him the contract that he's already at. Uh, oh, as a Timberwolves fan, you would know about this. Yeah, and uh, I was more than thrilled to get out of it. And, um, you know, I, Giannis, to me, um, if he's talking to his management, I mean, he's always been in the position or in the mindset that he wants to bring a championship to Milwaukee. And we've seen in the last two seasons, they've gotten exponentially better than we've seen in the past decade. So it's it can only get better from here, in my opinion. So for him to seek a trade and get out of there, it doesn't seem very likely to me because they're so close. I mean, had the season gone just the way it should have without this whole pandemic and everything, I mean, Milwaukee was in a great position to get to that finals. And, you know, who knows? If we would even be talking about this, we'd probably just be talking about when the Bucks are going to give him a, a, the max contract. I mean, this guy is the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's said that he wants to be there. The Warriors, like you mentioned with the Andrew Wiggins trade, they have a really good uh, you know, trade value with that draft pick that they got. I mean, even if it's not Giannis, they can still get a, another solid piece to maybe bring the Warriors back to is some sort of semblance of what they were, but... 
I just don't see Giannis going to the Warriors. It just it seems a little too far fetched for me. I mean, KD and Giannis, I think they're different players. I think that different things are more important to them. Not to say that you know KD was a snake or anything, but I just don't see Giannis uh, doing that. <laughs> yeah, kind of was, but he really that, was. Regardless, <laughs> yes, thank you, Calvin. But. <laughs> The thing that, I mean, even on one of our articles, uh, when I decided to do uh, the Three Bros NBA 2K simulation, find it on our website, threebrosports.com, in the articles. It's quite easy. You just click basketball. It's just scroll down. It's right there. Or check out all of our latest articles. I mean, we came out with four articles throughout this week. Four. That's that's a lot. <laughs> Especially for the amazing content we've been producing, uh, all three of us, and also one of our other writers, Tarek Ansari, who's been a guest on the show. You guys just check it out, threebrosports.com. But... I, I just find it very odd that it would be the Warriors. I, I don't see Giannis as that type of person to jump ship to go back and get that ring like Kevin Durant may have. Now, nobody expected Kevin Durant to do so, but when we look at what Giannis has done throughout his entire career of his rookie year, he locked himself inside a gym. He wouldn't even go outside that much. He basically lived in the Bucks facility. He, he loved uh, training himself. He was a little afraid at the time, but... Even throughout the off seasons, he turned down a role in Space Jam too. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. He wants to just go grind. And now he's kind of like a little bit like Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi actually recruited guys to go play with him. He's not going to go to an established team already with championship hopes. I, I I have a I have a tough time seeing the Warriors because at this time throughout the suspension a lot of reports are going to be going around saying that oh there's talks about this guy going to this team i mean one of our former guests Preston ellis uh from uh, the bird rights uh, he's also a writer for bleacher report he came out with a report saying that buddy Heald's going to go to the lakers for kyle kuzma and danny green and then i started talking to him a little more and he's like well there could be a chance buddy's moved nobody knows where and it's at the time where a lot of people are just going to speculate a lot more because there's not a lot going around in the NBA world, and these writers, they, they need to be making their paycheck. They need to make ends meet. So they need to always be coming out with new articles, maybe speculating, oh, well, this guy could be moved for to this team. I feel like that's how it is right now for Giannis. I, I, I can't see the Warriors, but is there any other teams you guys are seeing Giannis possibly going to? I mean, anybody. <laughs> I'm sure anybody would be happy yeah. to have him. It's, it's hard to say. But is there any specific team that like has that perfect fit for him maybe san antonio if they decide they don't want lamarcus aldridge anymore but uh, yeah i mean lamarcus i believe he yeah. would be off the books he wouldn't be getting paid anymore derozan's gone after this year it, it seems like the buck or the spurs they're at the end of the run they weren't going to make playoffs this year sadly mm-hmm. as much as i hated to see it it was time for the regression they still have some decent players around them i'm curious of how much longer pop wants to keep coaching because they, they've had a lot of tremendous assistant coaches in my my personal opinion i think ime yudoka he's a former sacramento king so i do know the name and he's been one of the top assistants to popovich for years i think he's waiting to become the next spurs coach he was a defensive-minded player in the NBA, and he's been a defensive-minded coach. And I think that's the way the Spurs are going to go. They're not going to go with the outside hire after Popovich. And maybe when that does happen, you have to have a big-name player, and Giannis could be it. But I kind of want to go with the Miami Heat now. I, I know I may have some bias. I have a very, I have a lot of close friends who are Heat fans. But Miami has that culture that Giannis would love. 
Now, I don't know if they of uh, Miami could keep everybody that they have right now. I know Bam Adebayo, he needs his mass uh he, he needs his max contract by next year. So I don't know how the how salaries are going to work out. I mean, Goran Dragic, he needs to be moved off. He was almost moved to Dallas on draft day. A lot of people forget about that one or throughout off season. There's a lot of big salaries that they'd have to move, but culture-wise, I think Miami could be a really interesting fit. Now, is there a chance of that working out? Could he go to the Thunder? The Thunder are another team of a bunch of grinders that Giannis could easily fit into. Who knows? I'm I'm really curious about where he could go. I mean, is there is there any specific fit you guys like? Is there any other team that you guys are thinking of? Maybe he's the first of many to go to New York. I mean, he talk, could. We talk about like there's always every off season you talk about like it was KD uh, last season or whenever he signed it with was, Brooklyn. It was the big three of the KD, Kyrie, yeah. and Zion. Yep. Strike and one, strike, strike two, strike three. Yeah, get I out mean, if Giannis, how you know for whatever reason found himself playing for the Knicks, I'm sure there would be a, a bunch of players that would be willing to go out there and play with him, and maybe the Knicks would finally turn it around. Who knows? But I just I think Milwaukee is the perfect place for him. Yeah. Just I based on the way he plays basketball, based on his mindset, I mean, Milwaukee. I don't have they ever won a NBA title. I can't even think of. I'm not a Milwaukee. Yeah, they won expert. one back in '71 with Kareem. Well, needless yeah. to say, it's been a while. So yeah, uh, yeah, it, it it has been. Yeah, but if anyone's gonna bring it. I think Giannis definitely deserves to be that guy. No, I agree. I mean, the Bucks just seem like they're right there. They really do. And another team that is right there that's in talks of moving off a valuable player, the Toronto Raptors. There was a report going around saying the Raptors are willing to move Kyle Lowry to the 76ers to get the draft rights for LaMelo Ball. Now, LaMelo Ball, don't get me wrong, I think he's going to be a star in this league. I think he'll be the best. Uh, he'll be better than Lonzo. I really do. He's a better. I think he's a better playmaker. He has a better takeover uh, style of play to himself. He has a different swagger that could really uh, rejuvenate anybody. And Lonzo does make a lot of players better. He just seems like a more advanced Rajon Rondo to me. Of... He, don't get me wrong, a comparison to Rajon Rondo is great, but when I'm looking at LaMelo, I'm seeing more of a Jason Williams type guy. I really do. Now, I don't know how his ego is. I know throughout his time in Australia after watching uh, The Ball in the Family that he really grew up in his time out there. He, he really became a leader. He even tried to purchase his own NBL team to uh, help them out throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, and I, I, I applaud him for that. So it does show that he does have capabilities of really being a leader on and off the court, but I f isn't it a little too early to try to jump ship moving Lowry? Or is this the perfect time, especially when Siakam's going to need his money? Or if I'm not mistaken, he already has his money. Lowry's on the decline. Fred Van Vliet, I think he's gone after the year. Is it the right time to go get LaMelo Ball? Brett, is it? I think it's a good move for both teams. I mean, like you said, Kyle Lowry's getting older. I mean, he's still a fantastic point guard, but... To get a player like Mal <laughs> I said, Mo I almost just screwed up his name really bad, Lamelo. Um, <laughs> yeah, to get a player like him um, for the future and to pair him up with Pascal Siakam and continue to rebuild, I think that's the smartest move for Toronto to make. Because I mean, I don't think they were getting back to the finals this year, and and what's what's the point of you know making a move if you're not getting any better? So. They'll get better for the future, and I think the Sixers could definitely use a player like Kyle Lowry 
so someone can run point guard down there in Philadelphia because it has not worked out with Ben Simmons. Um, maybe switch him somewhere else, and you know it can only get better from there because you know it clearly hasn't worked out. He doesn't have an outside shot to save his life, and Kyle Lowry has showed us that he's a solid point guard. He makes everyone around him better. I mean, uh, DeRozan has nothing but praise for Kyle Lowry, saying he's the best player from Toronto to play for Toronto. So. You know, just just to say that, even if you don't believe it, is high praise, and I, I think yeah. both teams would get better. Calvin, what do you think? Yeah, th- I think this would be a good move for both teams. More so, like, Toronto in the long run, Philadelphia in short term, since Kyle Lowry is an older guy. And Lowry is honestly just one of those guys that he's kind of like a Mr. Reliable. He's not going to screw something up for you. He's going to be there, get you those extra points, make the few extra passes. And there's a lot or that can go a really long way, especially for a team like Philadelphia. Like you said, Ben Simmons doesn't have a shot to save his life. So <laughs> a little bit of outside shooting really could help that team a lot. Now, granted, you do have to consider, do you have Lowry come off the bench or do you have Ben Simmons move to power forward? Personally, I'd move him to power forward. But I don't know exactly. Yeah, you could easily move him there. Um, imagine the uh, the mismatches of his athleticism going up against all the fours in the NBA. I, now I understand uh, a lot of people could say, "Well, think about Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans was playing point guard. He was like six five. He he was a pretty big guy, and he was able to blow by his defenders because he always had the height and size." Now Simmons it may be a little different, but Simmons has shown a more finesse ability, the ability to get to the free throw line. He could still be dominant with a guy like Joel Embiid depending on what they give up in return, I think probably Matisse Thybul and a couple other pieces and some draft picks are all that the Sixers could really give for a guy like Lowry, especially with how much he's being paid at his age. It, uh, it doesn't have the most value in the world, but it's, it's an interesting move for whenever the season does start up. But speaking of when seasons do start up, there's talks that the MLB will be opening up soon. Trevor Plouffe, a former MLB third baseman, he came out saying that there's some rumors going around that he's heard of that there's going to be a second spring training starting in June and that the MLB season will start up July 1st. I like the idea because players will stay at their home stadium, so it allows families to be with one another. I don't know what the rules will be when it comes to the fans being there. I don't know about that. Nothing has come out because the MLB hasn't confirmed it, but I like the rumor. I, I like the, the optimism, especially with the NFL uh, saying that they're going to start as normal. A few stadiums have said, look, we're only going to have about 15,000 people in the stadium with a six feet apart. I like it. I miss sports. OK, I, I may be a little too loose on it of, well, you got to remember the health implications. But we're getting to a time now where when you start hearing this news, you get a little bit more excited of, ooh, maybe we got a chance. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. Brett, as the baseball expert, are you excited to hear this news? What are your thoughts? Well, as any sports fan, I'm always excited to hear uh, a possibility of it coming back, but I'll believe it when I see it. That's kind of how I'm taking everything that comes with this whole pandemic. You know, (laughs) nothing has happened so far. Uh, They've tried certain things, but it hasn't worked out. Uh, You know, the UFC tried to buy their own island and have a fight out there and fight (laughs) island, and that didn't happen. As much as I was excited to see that. But I think it would be good. I think, you know, if the MLB comes back, I think they'll be the first sport back, if I had to guess. And um, 
I think they'll definitely lay the groundwork for every other sport that's looking to come back as well. Um, maybe take good positives and negatives and maybe even have a better program. But I know that there are a bunch of people in the MLB circles that are uh, thinking that it's optimistic or a little too optimistic to be coming back in July. I know there's players that are concerned about coming back to play. Some of them don't even want to leave their house. They just want to wait until this is completely over. So they're saying, you know, what if certain players don't show up? What if, what if someone gets sick while they're playing? You know, what if one of your star players can't play because he catches coronavirus while he's on the practice team? You know, do you shut him down? Do you shut the whole team down? So it's going to be confusing. It's definitely going to be a weird season for every sport that comes back, however it happens. But, you know, as a sports fan, I'm hoping July 1st it's back. Even, you know, as big of a baseball fan as I am, you know, I'll be happy to see it. <laughs> I, I I would be, too, I, as much as I, I've missed watching the game, especially with my Angels of there was a chance that they could really make some noise this year, especially with the acquisition of Anthony Rendon. Uh, pitching's going to be healthy. We have a healthy Shohei Otani. Who knows? There's a lot to go on, especially throughout the MLB, of what the procedures are going to be. But the NFL seems like they have uh, their eggs in a basket a little better. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got a special guest. we got Dave Carey, a former writer from the Baltimore Examiner and for CBSSports.com. He's coming on with us to talk about the 2020 NFL season and the Earl Thomas situation. We'll be right back. Fantastic. And we are back, and we got a special guest for you guys. We got a former writer from CBSSports.com and also the Baltimore Examiner. We got Dave Carey with us. Mr. Carey, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm very excited, and I cannot wait to start diving into these schedules. I was already looking at some juicy, juicy, delicious week one lines and uh, seeing what we like and don't like. And it allows us to carry through a lot of our hot takes from the end of last season, like what kind of drugs were the Titans doing to give Ryan Tannehill that kind of extension? Because I will die on the <laughs> never pay a former wide receiver playing quarterback that much money hill. So hey, I can't wait to see. Ryan Tannehill is my boy, and I defended him. I said he would play better than Brady last year when he was a backup, and I was still right, and I will live by that to the day I die. Uh, it may have been luck of the draw, but I'm sticking by that. And I know... I have a certain teacher uh, that w- got us all together, and he laughed at me for my take, saying that Ryan Tannehill is better than Tom Brady for that season. Who's the right one now? I'm looking at you, Mr. White. I'm looking <laughs> at you, buddy. But there's a lot of things going on throughout. Uh, the new schedule being out, and also ESPN coming out with their own predictions. Now, there's a lot of primetime games. I mean, the 49ers have five going in. Uh, the Patriots have a couple of Monday Night Football games. Is there any real big primetime games that you're looking at right now? And it's like, oh, I got to watch that no matter what. Like, if I have to listen to Joe Tessitore on Monday Night Football, I guess I will for this specific matchup. <laughs> well, the big things that stuck out to me is I'm a Niners fan, too. And they have that really, really tough, awkward stretch that they were talking about where they have the I want to get exactly right. I had it here in front of me. They have a very awkward stretch that has the Patriots, Packers, uh, Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers and Saints in consecutive weeks for the Niners, a murderer's row. And that includes a Sunday afternoon game on the West, uh, I'm sorry, a Sunday afternoon game against Seattle and then coming for a Thursday night game against Green Bay. So that's a very, very tricky stretch right there for them too. I'm a strong believer in the short turnaround against a very good opponent. 
uh, is something you definitely want to look at for a lot of value right there. And especially a very tight spot for teams on the road in those situations, especially if there's a lot of travel involved. So I'm very interested to see. We all know about the Super Bowl hangover. I think I saw some stat that uh, teams coming off the Super Bowl loss were, I think it was 8-16 and against the spread in week one. And the Niners are laying eight against Arizona in the first week. So that's a one I was staring at all over right away to see all that value. More than a touchdown in the first game, and who knows? I mean, we were, what, two or three plays away from the Lions being in the playoffs last year? If you look at some of those records and the way those games went, the NFL is a game of thin, thin margins. And just seeing the way some of these schedules do line up, like you said, especially with awkward travel for even good teams, it, it pays the toll. It's not like back in the old days, you know, when they were having two beers and a pack of cigarettes at halftime, but, uh, or, or, or riding greyhounds across the country for most of the week. But that travel does play a toll with their bodies. No, you are right about that. Yeah, How about absolutely. you guys? What's, what, what's uh, the big one you guys are looking forward to right off the bat? For, I'll let you start that out, buddy. Well, I mean, uh, interesting game that stuck out to me. I mean, week one, uh, we're going to get to see Tom Brady play against Drew Brees. So I think that's going to be definitely a fun game to watch. We'll see how Tom Brady looks in the, uh, the new old Bucks uniforms uh, that they have set up. And another game that I also found that was going to be pretty interesting, I did have that Green Bay in San Francisco, that primetime game. You know, those turnarounds are always tough on teams, but I got the Vikings and Saints on Christmas Day. You know, we'll see if the Vikings can uh, can uh, ruin the Saints Christmas gifts, maybe put some coal in their stocking for them again. But, you know, I got a feeling that the, the Vikings have just upset the Saints so much lately. It, it, the Saints are due for for their revenge game, I think. <laughs> and the Vikings uh, have taken so much from the Saints. That's kind of harsh. Yeah. Take Christmas, too. Yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to see it, though. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I'm sure you would. How about you guys? You know, I, I like the Christmas present of it all, but are we forgetting the biggest one week three Monday night to where I will listen to Booger McFarland give me his analysis? Can't The wow. Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens, are we forgetting about this? The 2018 versus 2019 MVPs going at it? I, I think this this – is one of the best games to watch the entire year. And, and this is coming from me as a diehard Niner fan. I could easily say, oh, the repeat uh, Niners Green Bay. That's going to be a fun one. Niners versus the Cowboys. Or even the Week 16 against the Cardinals because I've got a good feeling that's going to have playoff implications as the NFC West is the best division in all football. Week three, This is the big matchup that I'm surprised not everybody would be talking about as much. Uh, Kansas City's coming on a hot streak. Baltimore has revenge. They need to get uh, get out there and prove themselves, as they should have done against the Titans, but I uh, don't know what happened there. I, it, this is the big game. Uh, this is the one that I'm looking at. I, I have to watch it regardless. But there's a lot of big games that are always going around, and I think, especially at this time when there is no real news going on, a lot of sites are going to quickly come out with their uh, standings after the after the schedule just came out. ESPN came out with theirs, and there was a lot of questionable ones. Now, uh, Dave, I know we were talking off the air a little bit, and you said you had a couple that you wanted to bite at ESPN for. What games were you specifically looking at? 
Well, what really stuck out to me about their schedule is their overarching philosophy of predicting the records. And they kind of sneak in the sentence at the bottom that the prediction, I'm sorry, predictions are independent of each other. And that kills me because it's a whole house of cards then, because there's only a certain number of wins and losses for an entire season. And as you scroll through, everyone's going to have the rose colored optimistic, just like everyone had a good draft. Everyone has a great schedule. If we can just get through this one stretch, if we can just take these three out of four road games. And that's what kills me about the predictions is they don't add up mathematically. I believe the Jaguars are four and 12, and I think they had the Lions at five wins, and every other team was six wins and above. And oh, that's ESPN just got the Lions at happen. eight now. Yeah. ESPN uh, has them at eight. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Patricia's mom doesn't have them at eight wins. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and that just really kills me when I'm reading over it because I understand it's very hard to sit down and have these guys crunch the numbers and bounce back and forth because then you pinpoint a couple choke points on the schedule. But I think that's where, as people that look at the games, analyze them, and talk about them, that really comes through. Uh, one that sticks out to me when you're talking about those primetime games, those big things, uh, I'm married to a huge Ravens fan. Uh, she'd leave me for Justin Tucker in a heartbeat, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> uh, that game on Thanksgiving night, uh, the first ever Thanksgiving game in Pittsburgh, is Baltimore at Pittsburgh that night, which first off is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm banking on Roethlisberger being back and healthy, but they should at least be competitive. I mean, if they could go 500 with what they had last year, they should probably be even better this year, considering they only added talent. And that's one of those choke points like I'm talking about is you can't predict everyone to be in that 8 to 11 win range because some teams will fall off and be much worse. And Pittsburgh is a team that really sticks out to me as being a prime candidate because even if you think the fact that, what, Joe Burrow's like 27 and had one good year in college, but now he's the Bengals' savior? Okay. But let's just say we go with that and go with that philosophy. They're still going to win at most, what, four games, five games? That's if everyone stays healthy and they do everything well. Miraculous season. I haven't seen enough that has me having a ton of confidence in Cleveland despite them having talent. We really haven't seen them go on the road and prove it. And by all accounts, Baltimore has the second most, if not actually the most talented roster in the AFC and there should be not a ton of regression, maybe a game or two just by pure luck and some more fluky injuries this year. Cause 14 and two is hard for anybody, but it's those little, uh, those little points of egress, those little things like that, that can make a huge difference. Is Miami going to trip up someone like the jets or uh, bills in the first couple weeks? That's going to let them get a couple wins and a little momentum every year. It seems like that team comes out of the AFC East where it's the – what does Bill Simmons call it? I always like this. Him and Cousin Sal always call it the bad good team or the good bad oh, team. The, it's the bad yeah. good team, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The bad good team where this team's not very good, but they beat everybody who's a four-win team, and then all of a sudden, well, I guess they have nine wins, they're in. I mean, Tyrod Taylor calls that a career. So <laughs> that's just kind of how you go about <laughs> it. So it, those little things. Um, do the Chargers get off to a little bit of a hot start against other people? Last year, the Raiders were a prime candidate for that where they were kind of floating around that playoff level. They weren't actually good. I mean, what, David Carr averaged like two and a half yards a pass? <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, and- Ross Jacobs carried everything, really, in all honesty. I mean, Tyrell Williams as your number one receiver? Uh, it's, it's like Miami. I, it, it just doesn't make too much sense. 
So yeah, as I go through the schedule and look at it, that's really what I'm looking at are those those little things that can swing big things. And that's why, you know, not <laughs> piling on your boy Tannehill. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to hurt fan club attendance there, Mike. But, <laughs> I'm but, the only uh, one in the fan club right now, so it, it's fine. You're not really hurting many feelings. But what really comes back to me is like that week one game on Monday night. It's a late game. It's going to be the first uh, the first Monday night of the year. The Titans in Denver. You know, they're going to give Locke all these weapons now. They brought in all the speed. They had a pretty good defense. They should have won it in Minneapolis last year. They have a lot of talent. That's a team that, you know, if they don't turn the ball over, let a couple of those speedy guys make plays on the outside, bringing in Hamler and Judy uh, on top of Sutton there already. There, there's weapons. You know, they got him Melvin Gordon. I'm not a strong believer in paying a running back money, but they got a guy that can make plays and catch the ball. So that's another – it's just a little pressure point there for what I think could be a big path or a boost. And if not a trip to the Titans, because you know, the AFC South has gotten a lot more competitive. No, you, you are right. Now I did the honor and I went through the ESPN standings of what they said throughout the year. And I'm going to go over, I got four teams I'm going over on nice. four teams. I'm going under on now. You guys just give me your feedback after these four. Now I'm going to start off with going overs bears at seven and nine. I see that being really rough. If you get rid of Mitchell Trubisky and replace him with a third grader, they will have an they will improve on the offensive side of things. That is a fact. <laughs> Steelers at nine and seven, I would go over. I think Big Ben's still going to be chucking about fifty five passes a game. Juju's going to be healthy. I like Claypool a lot. I think he has some talent. Redskins at six and ten, I think the Redskins could easily be an eight and eight team, especially with the Giants still being a complete dog crap uh, of a team. Uh, they they just can't figure things out, and the Jags at four and twelve. Now Minshew Mania may be a flaw, it may be a fluke. C.J. Henderson I do like. One of our writers, Tarek Ansari, says he may be a bust uh, because he doesn't want to go and tackle. But I, I still see the Jags as a pretty talented team. I think four wins would really be an understatement to what they actually have out there. Now, is there any teams that you guys are disagreeing with? Any any thoughts on them? Definitely the Bears, because. Really? Yeah, all I'm seeing out of this team, I mean, 7-9, and talent-wise, they might be able to pull that off. But the way I see this going is that Nick Foles is probably going to win the starting job out of training oh, yeah. camp. Who, who else does he have? He has, like, a second grader at backup. Like, of course he should win. Foles is probably, because, I mean, Foles is a good backup quarterback. We've seen that when he was in Philly. As a starter, though, he's not that consistent. So what I see happening here is that he's going to screw up somewhere and then they're going to give it back to Mitchell Trubisky and that's just going to make the dumpster fire worse. So all of a sudden you're going to have this kind of quarterback controversy and we've seen no team really does well with that, except I guess the 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young, but you know, it's not like Bill Walsh just coaching the bears. I just see this team kind of being a bit of a dumpster fire going through the year. Okay, I thought maybe the recession of last year, they could have that bounce back season of the expectations are pretty low, the new quarterback around, David Montgomery being a solid back. I feel like they do have the potential. Is there any other team you guys are uh, agreeing, maybe disagreeing with? I think the Jaguars are in a good spot where they're at. They were listed at 4-12. and Everything to me points to them tanking for Trevor Lawrence next year or just they're in complete rebuild mode. I mean, they might say that Fournette's in their plans for the future, but no, he's not. 
No, he's not. He doesn't want to be there. Neither does the defensive end, and they still haven't traded him for whatever reason. I'm not going to try to say his last name because he's it might be offensive to the, him. He's getting advice with the owner's son on Twitter. I, I think yeah. that's telling you so, where he's at right now. You know, Minshew Mania, I mean, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but that's all for, you know, it's tough to get fill up a stadium in Jacksonville. So they got Minshew Mania going for them. But I just think that, you know, I don't think that they're doing anything to make their team better. I think that they lost a lot of pieces. They traded Galeas Campbell away. So I just, I don't think they got better in this offseason. Like you said, CJ Henderson, I think he'll be a good player, but he definitely has some things he needs to work on. And I think four and 12 is a good spot for them. I could see them being, you know, one of those lower draft picks next year in 2021. I, I just see six and 10. I, I do. I, I don't see four wins for the talent that I they think that's generous. <laughs> I think that's generous. I don't know, but that's just me. Now I'm going to go for the four unders. Now lions at eight and eight, as you said, Dave, I don't think Patricia's mom would even give him eight wins. I think five would be generous to, to try to make him sleep better. The Pats at nine and seven, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I was one saying, I don't believe the Spurs dynasty was going to be lasting of their playoff streak this year. I thought that that was the end. I feel like this is the end. I mean, losing Van Noy, losing Collins, you can always say, well, they still have a lot of the pieces. Yes, but without an offense to really carry them around, the defense is going to have too much on their backs. I, I, just, I see them falling at some point, and I, I really believe this is the year with the Bills and maybe even the Jets and the Dolphins really competing with the Patriots a lot more than they recently have. The Dolphins actually have a really solid defense right now. It's going to be wreaking some havoc. A lot of teams uh, thought the Bills were a sleeper defensive team last year, and they were. I think this year's the Dolphins. And now the Colts at 10 and 6. Phillip Rivers and his 10 kids. Uh, it's not going to work at 10 and 6. You're paying $40 million to two quarterbacks. You're paying $15 million for a backup named Jacoby Brissett. Now, whether you move him or not, you still sound really dumb for doing that. It, it basically was, oh, don't go to broadcasting. Come join us for a year. We'll give you, what, $25 million? Philip Rivers didn't even have to go back and negotiate with NBC. It's like, you're giving me $25 million when I sucked last year? Okay, fine. I'll do that. Jeez, take the money. And then the Browns, 9-7. and seven. I don't see them doing any better. I, I Now, they do have a new head coach. Yes, that, that is great. OBJ's not happy there. I, I do like their uh, selection going with the offensive tackle, uh, Wills. I, I just don't see him at 9-7 and seven this year. I'm having problems. Dave, are you – is there any teams right there you're maybe disagreeing with, or am I just going crazy? No, I actually really, really like your rationale. The Colts is one I had a problem going back and forth with, but I pegged them much more in the 8-9 to nine win range, especially because even for all the Titan hate, they're a scrappy competitive team. And who knows with Houston? I mean – Oh, as a diehard Penn State fan, I can never slander Bill O'Brien. I swore that oath a long time ago. How? But How? What, what he did this he, offseason? How, how can you not hate the guy? He saved the program. Can never say a bad word about him. Uh, <laughs> you know, Calvin's a, a, a Cardinal fan. He can't say, say a bad I, word about I'm him. I'm loving Bill O'Brien. He can stay there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bill O'Brien, the head coach. Maybe Bill O'Brien, the GM, I can slander a little bit. But... <laughs> It, it'll be interesting to see how they come out because they still have a really talented roster. Even despite these zany, weird moves, there's still a ton of talent. You still have Deshaun Watson. They're going to be a tough out. There's still talent in Jacksonville, despite them being the literal case study for how small your window can be and to always double down and go for chances when you have one. It's very interesting to see how that plays out going forward in that division. But I think the Colts under is a good bet because – 
it, it seems like one of those things where it comes down to everyone watching that division over the last three weeks with everyone in that seven to nine win win range. Maybe someone out of that group gets 10, but I don't think it's going to be the Colts. And has really has uh, there been a lot to make you think that Rivers is going to be that good the past couple years? His play really seems like it's fallen off, and it's like he didn't have weapons. He had Keenan Allen out there. They had Melvin Gordon. There was plenty of talent out there in San Diego that it really didn't seem like they were making the best with. I I just don't see Philip Rivers doing it. I I really don't. I agree with you. I mean, uh, like when we're talking about this division, I, I can look at the NFC West. I almost wanted to put the Rams at eight and eight. I, I have them going under. I, I I do as well, but I I just I. I felt like the Lions were a bigger team to put down for it. But once again, it's a too tough of a division. Now, did you guys, what did you guys think of them predicting the Buffalo Bills going 12 and 4? Do you think that's accurate? Or do you see them getting that many wins? Because I, I, th- I don't know if I see 12. But I, then again, the division, they could surprise us. The one to division. I, I don't know if 12, especially Josh Allen, I, I don't trust his arm. Uh, I don't trust a lot of his decision making, sadly, but. I don't know. I mean, the 49ers went 13 and three and Garoppolo wasn't as successful. Now, granted, he barely played that much training camp after the torn ACL and still what he produced was great. But Josh Allen, it's he's more just of an athletic guy than a real quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I love Josh Allen and I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks coming out in his draft class. But to me, the thing that gets me a lot with the Bills is the fact that their schedule is pretty tough they're playing the AFC West so you already got Kansas City in there Oakland's not Las Vegas now they're not too bad I don't care they're (laughs) Oakland yeah that might as well be And even I mean the Chargers who knows what's going to happen down there with Herbert and then even the Broncos while they're not necessarily the greatest offensive team in the world because I don't have much faith in Drew Locke but their defense is still pretty good and even then, in the AFC East, yeah, there's not as much talent. But, I mean, the Jets, you can't really overlook. The Dolphins now especially can't. And New England still got Bill Belichick. So, 12-4, and four, I think, is a bit of a stretch. I'm seeing more 9-7 and seven at best. Oh, 9-7. I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's just me. I see 11-5. and 12-4 may be pushing it. I. I don't know. That, that's kind of a tough one. Dave, are you going yeah. with the over or under on that one? I think I have to go under 12. 12 is just such a high number. Such a high number to hit. I mean, what? Last year, the Patriots over under was 11 and a half, and people were having trouble justifying going over there anyway. I think, like you said, there's just too much that can happen. I feel like two in the East Coast where you can have some really bad weather games or all of a sudden you just have a uh, 50-degree um, 50, degree, 50 mile per hour winds one week. You could have snow another week, especially up in Buffalo. You can have some really awful conditions that can even render some of that home field advantage not what you want it to be. And then all of a sudden have to go to Miami with 80 degrees and humidity the following week. So as we see throughout you know, history, especially in that division being so spread out down to Miami too, there can be some really, really bad weather games. I mean, look at the Meadowlands. That place is a wind tunnel all the time for those teams. And it only takes – one of those offenses finding a groove to average 17 points a game in that division. And then all of a sudden their defenses can take care of the rest. So 12, 12 is so hard. 
12 is so hard. There was a lot of good teams last year that didn't win 12 games. And that's what I keep coming back to on that. I have a hard time predicting anyone's going to win that. But, Mike, the prediction you made with the uh, overs that I really liked was the Redskins. Their uh, Vegas line was five and a half. Five and a half. And I was taking a look at their first-round draft picks. I got this for you guys. So let's go back to 2017, Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle. 2018, Darren Payne, nose tackle. Then we got 2019, Haskins, a quarterback. But then we also have uh, Montez uh, uh, Sweat, that kid out of Mississippi State. And then this year, they took Chase Young. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's since 2017, they've had five first-round picks. And four of those have been on the defensive side of the ball. So to me... That defense, there's talent on that defense. There's a lot of plays that can be made with that unit. And like you said, I mean, I'm always going to stand for Saquon Barkley. Don't get me wrong. But, man, that Giants organization is a disaster. Uh, Who knows what's going on with the Eagles right now? There's a lot of talent. And I think Peterson's an okay coach. But, man, there's definitely some organizational dysfunction going on there, more than just their bad injury luck last year so when it comes to, and dallas is dallas who knows so when it comes down to that the redskins hitting six wins they, they can do that haskins for all his flaws does have a little bit of an arm and there's a ton of talent on defense so if you're looking for a really good value and a really interesting play i think the redskins over could definitely be it yeah i agree i i think with ron rivera it's you're, you're kind of undermining him i think haskins has a lot of potential in this league and who knows? Maybe the Alex Smith, Alex Smith comes back. I, I don't know. After watching his E60, it's like, you know what? I'm rooting for the guy. He was a, he was a 49er great with uh, the Did you the, see the, uh, you see the video he came out with of him throwing the ball? He, he, he looks like he's in great shape right now. I'm pretty excited for it. But, uh, Mr. Carey, thank you so much for coming. Before I let you go now, there was one big story that came out recently about Baltimore Ravens, Earl Thomas, and uh, his incident with uh, his wife, or uh, let's just say his ex, very soon. <laughs> uh, just give the listeners kind of what happened and what are your thoughts about it? So what was very interesting was how a lot of reporters were coming out and literally tweeting the write-up from the uh, police log of exactly what happened on the official police report. And it, it reads better than like you could ever make up if you're doing it yourself. So apparently she got into his Snapchat account by using his password on her phone. So she got his password and got into it. And th- this just shows what a 37 year old square I am. I didn't even realize that Snapchat has like the little meetup icons. So you can tell like where people are and what's going on now, yeah, with Snapchat, snap which I thought defeated the purpose of Snapchat. You're supposed to be able to send a story and get rid of it. So literally the whole purpose of the app was defeated. Like this should tank consumer confidence in Snapchat now, to be honest. So, (laughs) so they have the snap map and she literally gets a gun and tracks him down and catches him uh, in an intimate setting. This amazing part too, watching mainstream media try to talk about this is just fantastic. Uh, Catches him (laughs) in an intimate setting situation involving multiple people including his brother and then proceeds to aim a gun at him and apparently earl had to wrestle it away and get it away from her but the best part was then first off earl thomas's agent everyone should hire him because apparently this happened back in like mid-april and they've been able to keep it undercover ever since then 
So wow. first off, yeah, his agent. <laughs> give him a bonus. Dick. Yeah, give him. A, yeah, he better be getting a nice bonus. So what I thought was really interesting part though was the video he came out, which was basically like, yeah, stuff happens. It's cool. And I'm like, that is not, that's, wow, the stuff is doing a lot of work in that sentence. A lot. Oh, it's whatever. I don't worry about it. I'll just send my agent a new Rolls Royce for helping me out with that. Yeah. yeah. His, his kids are getting a free year of college after that one. No, more than just one. It's a full ride. We're getting at the doors, the entire meal plan. We're getting everything. It's no JC two years in transfer. You're getting to four year. But. Uh, Mr. Carey, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you got you enjoyed your time on here. We'd lo- love to have you back on again when the NFL season does start up. Love to have it. If you want some uh, college football hot takes, too, I'd love to join as well. I'm a card-carrying SEC hater, so uh, sign me up. <laughs> so you don't respect the grind of the SEC, saying that those are the best players to come into the league? I respect the fact that they get 12 months a year in those states to train. (laughs) And I also respect the fact that besides Alabama, very few of those teams ever go above Missouri to actually play a real game. Okay, I'll give you that. (laughs) I'm not a big (laughs) SEC guy, but I'll give you that. Those are some really fair points, but scary. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to Mr. Carey for coming on, giving his insight on uh, the NFL realm going into the 2020 NFL season and guys that's gonna wrap things up for today's podcast thank you so much for listening check out all of our latest articles going over nfl uniforms uh calvin's got a lot of hot takes especially about the baby blue the powder blues with the chargers uh tarks had his own words to say in his article about it brett even came out with one i came out with one all four of us all the four writers have come out with a new article and you guys got to check it out going over leonard fournette why dave yeager could be the right answer for the chicago bulls the new jerseys being ranked and also five players that never really panned out after their draft hype and also Tarek's article of how there's going to be six busts in the first round playing this year he has his busts i have my opinions he has his who knows you can agree or disagree but you got to find out for yourself three check it out it is an easy to use website some of the best content you could ever find from college students who could just talk about sports forever check it out please i'm even i said please doesn't that count I know you're listening right now, Timmy or Billy, all the, all the Billys out there. I know you're still listening to the show. I know this isn't TV Don't Marvel anymore, but I know you're listening. But guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week once again with amazing content, as usual, because the sports world never stops. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Brett. Have a good one. Three Bros Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring his podcast and Benjamin Tissot on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Shut up and sit down.